The book was better. Hello. And we're back. Welcome to the dead. Another episode. I think we decided that's the right way to say it last time. I think we decided that was the best way to say it. (laughs) Welcome to another episode of The Book Was Better. I'm Kaylee Clark. I'm Taylor Collette. And we've got a lot to get to, so we're going to try to jump right to the point. But before we do, um, there are just a couple things uh, to go over. So First, we just, as always, shameless self-plug. Follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at TBWB Podcast. Um, that's where we're always asking about fan faux pas and making comments about what's coming up and what to look out for, as well as maybe putting up information that we didn't get to in the podcast. Like today, for instance, got a lot to get to, may not get to it all. So if we don't, definitely go check out our social media to see what else we're passionate about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, that's really all we have for announcements this time around. Yep. So before we get into the nitty gritty this week, we are talking about Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. (gasps) Ooh, it's a real doozy. (laughs) Um, my personal least favorite movie while being one of my favorite books. So it's an interesting combination to be sure. It was directed by Mike Newell. So another new director. Fourth he, movie. Third oh, director. <laughs> I am not a Still fan the screenplay was by Steve Cloves. You would think that having the same screenplay throughout would help a little bit. But in this movie, and in this case, it really didn't. Um, Well, I would definitely say having a different director definitely makes a difference. True. Oh, definitely true. But the director doesn't write the screenplay. And quite a bit of the things that I have issue with, I have issue with Steve Cloves in this case. (laughs) Yeah. This one was a doozy. Um, Music was still good. Uh... Patrick Doyle was the one who did the music in this case. Um, And yeah, he stemmed off of the themes that were created in the first movie. All of them have, you know, kept the same themes. But um, this movie was definitely significantly darker theme. Mm -hmm. And um, with the music itself, as well as just the theme and the vibes and um, colors, everything, it just... Came across a lot more darker than the previous three. A pretty big jump, in my opinion. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, the books do gradually get darker and darker. For sure. But it's a gradual. (laughs) Yeah. This one seemed like they just took a nosedive right into it. Took a really big jump. So this is fourth book. Harry's fourth year at Hogwarts. They have brought back after hundreds of years... The Triwizard Tournament, Harry unwillingly and unknowingly becomes the fourth champion, which is unheard of. There's only supposed to be three, and it 
turns out that it was all a ploy and plot by Lord Voldemort. Who would have guessed? So <laughs> there's our plot. There's our, you know, main... I don't know what to call them. They're not cast members. What? They're not producers either. I don't know. The main movie people that we should keep in mind going into this <laughs> director and screenplay writer the crew uh, they're the, the crew. crew the main the the big hitters of the crew i don't know i don't know um we're not movie people <laughs> no but with that let's just jump right into it shall we yeah got a lot to get to so apologies if this one goes long we're gonna try to contain our fiery burning passion for this one curb your enthusiasm (laughs) it will be Uh, hard all right so i'm gonna start us off this week um and i'm gonna start by talking about the amount of characters that get totally left out like okay sure it's a movie i only have so much budget to hire so many people but like this was the fourth harry potter movie the first three had done well. I know they had a decent budget for this one. So that's like a kind of a crappy excuse. So for those who haven't read the books, number one, I highly encourage you to because I'm not going to be able to explain all of this. But for those who have, you'll get where I'm coming from. First of all, let's talk about Bagman. Ludo Bagman is mm-hmm. a ministry worker. He's the head of the magical games and sports entertainment entertainment department that kind of he used to be a quidditch player and now he's worked for the ministry and throughout the whole book he's like so like there you know like he's always trying to help harry he's one of the judges he's like in charge of the tournament he's always narrating he's the one that narrated at the quidditch world cup like he's yeah it wasn't cornelius fudge always and so the fact that they just took him out, I was like, well, I mean, like, it's not like he wasn't an important person. Also, the whole time you keep hearing, like, bits and pieces, like, oh, he, he like, suspicion. has a dark past. And so it kind of adds to the mystery that you get as you're reading. And you're like, oh, is he a Death Eater? Like, is he the one that did it? And it just, and then in the end you learn it's, no, he just bet on Harry to win because he has a gambling problem and bet against some goblins. But, like, I don't know. It added to the mystery. Yeah. Well, and it added to the suspicion, right? Mm-hmm. Like in the movie, it's just the really the only people they throw suspicion onto are is, is Karkaroff. Karkaroff, maybe a little bit a of Snape, a little bit on Snape, but not really. Not really. Like, they don't do a and maybe great like job a little bit on Crouch, to. but like not really. Not really. No, really. They just they're like Karkaroff will be our main suspect. Yeah, the like, whole part of him like. At night, going into, like, the goblet alone. That didn't... That didn't happen. That didn't happen. I don't... That, it, that's a... It was ugh. very poorly done. <laughs> Anyways. So they left him out. Another big one. Bertha Jorkins. Great name. <laughs> she, at the very beginning, you learn she's in Ludo Bagman's department. And you learn that she's gone missing. Like, After towards the very visited, beginning. I'll... Bania. Later you learn it's she was visiting Albania at the time. Which and was the last spotted place of Voldemort. Yeah, you later find out that's where Voldemort's been hanging out. And you're like, hold up, what? Later you find out that like that's she got kidnapped 
by Wormtail. That's how they find out about the Triwizard Tournament. Because it's being all kept very hush-hush. Or like, how did Voldemort even know this was happening? Because he mm-hmm. kidnapped her. And like, you learn that she like knew about Barty Crouch's son, which we'll get into later. You learn that all that, like she's also very important. They just totally ignored her and left her out. There's a bunch of other characters like Bill and Charlie and Percy Weasley are all super much in the book. Like Charlie's there to help with the dragons. Bill and Charlie both go to the Triwizard, or I mean, not, no, the it's Quidditch the, World Cup. It's, it's the entire Weasleys. It's all of them. All of them. Like all of them go. Percy's working for Mr. Crouch. And he, like, mm-hmm. loves him. And he fills in for him as a judge half the time. So he's super in it. He's, like, they just left them all out. Like, again. Bill and Mrs. Weasley are the ones that show up to support Harry during the third trial. And it's super cute. Because he doesn't have any family that would show up. So they're all left out. Then you have, like, a bunch of stuff about muggles being left out. Like, the, at the Quidditch World Cup, there's a bunch of muggles there. And they're supposed to be acting... Like, muggles. So, in the movie, when they're all, like, flying around, having a party, I'm like, no, they were supposed to be keeping it, like, on the DL. They're camping at a muggle campground. Yeah. And, the, and like, owner when the of Death the Eaters, campground and, they're, and his family, they're muggles. When the Death Eaters come, which is, it's way worse in the book. Oh, like, in the movie, they're just so burning stuff. Bad. And you're like, wow, they're terrible. In the book... They, above their heads, they have the muggle who's running the campsite and his wife and his two little kids flying above their heads. They're messing with them. Like, so sad. So terrible. Like, luckily they get saved. The Death Eaters are just way worse. They're so much more cruel. And they just did it for a bit of fun. Like, they don't really explain that in the movie as much. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like they did it on orders. in the book, they scatter. Yeah, they're scared because they were just doing it for a bit of fun, which is gosh awful. But so that's left out. A bunch of stuff about Hagrid's left out, like how he's half giant and how that's like a big deal in the wizarding world. Like that and how he almost there gets is a deleted sh- scene like shamed. Of Harry, of uh, Harry, what? Of Hagrid talking to um, uh, Madame Maxime. Maxime about Her it. Name is literally Madam Big. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of also in the book, Madam Maxime is not bigger than Hagrid. They're the same. No, size. yeah, because they're both half giants. Though she denies it. Mm-hmm. Though again, something you would never know if you. Didn't I don't know why books. they chose to make her even bigger. so much bigger than Hagrid. I don't know why either. they were supposed to be the same size. Um. So that's all, like, cut out, mainly. And then, here's a big one. I mean, she's in it, but it's not, like, as much as it should be. Rita Skeeter, who we all hate with our whole hearts. And, I mean, the lady who plays her did a great job. She's fantastic. And she does, she personifies her so well. Because she's super annoying. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But she's even more annoying in the book. Because in the movie you essentially see the one interview she does with harry and that's kind of it and you're like oh yeah she's an annoying news person and you kind of like pass it off after that but in the book you get to see all of the articles that she writes which is like a lot and she ruins harry's life she ruins hagrid's life 
Hermione's like she's Harry's again like she's always doing all this stuff and one of the running storylines through the thing is after she goes after Hermione Hermione's like I'm gonna get back at her like I'm gonna figure out how she's doing this yep and I'm gonna wreck her life and she eventually does and you find out that Rita Skeeter is an unregistered animagus who can turn into a beetle and that's how she's learned about all this stuff because she's because a little Dumbledore beetle. banned her from the grounds. Yeah, because she sucks. And she's even Dumbledore in hates her. Hogwarts, <laughs> not on Hogwarts ground. She's not allowed anywhere. But in all these articles, she's reporting all these things that Hermione and Harry and everyone they're like, "How did she know that we were talking alone?" Yeah, like how that was a private conversation. That? Yeah, and at the very end, in the very last chapter of the book. Hermione has caught her in her beetle form and has her in a jar and is essentially <laughs> saying like I've threatened her and she won't be writing articles for a year like ain't gonna and this is important I think this is important because in the next book not to jump ahead too much but like spoilers <laughs> when they're like we need somebody a writer you know when when they're trying to convince people harry's you know um honorness honor integrity i don't know um it talks about how rita skeeter is you know she doesn't write anymore and nobody believes her and and it it just makes that make more sense Mm -hmm. because you understand like she was ruining a bunch of people's lives and karma finally got her because hermione basically exposed her and it quote unquote ruined her life though she deserved it (laughs) straight up so like i just wish that they had included how she like because i mean it's kind of like a cool fact you're like oh no wonder she knew all this stuff Mm -hmm. but i mean i guess they did a decent job with at least showing her being an annoying reporter lady but like in the book you want to murder her she's so rude and the lies she tells and like the way she twists the stories and not to mention it's actually pretty clever it's that like she's a bug and like we have the saying like you know oh you you were bugged oh yeah the room which they even mention in this yeah jk rowling like totally uses that and it's just kind of funny well and like it's fun when you reread it because in every one of those scenes where she like writes a report on it they mention a bug like in one they see a bug crawling on a leaf and one, there's a bug in Hermione's hair. And one, he had the little window open. And then, like, it's just, it's clever. It's fun. It adds to the magic and the mystery, I think. So, mm-hmm. again, there's a reason it's my number three. Because I'm like, yeah, I get it. They couldn't include all the people. But, like. It would have been cool. would have been mm-hmm. really cool if they if they did. Or, like, in one more thing. I just, I just thought of this. The Vila. Vila are like these beautiful women. Well, in general, who... it's at the Quidditch World Cup, each team has a mascot. Yeah. And Ireland has leprechauns as their Which mascot. Which kind of see in the movie. Like they and have the then, dancing leprechaun in the air. Yeah. Mm. But, and then Bulgaria has <laughs> what are called Vila. Yeah. They're beautiful women who like dance and sing and entrap men and stuff. And so They're basically you... like sirens. Of the land. But on land. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then you later learn that Fleur's grandmother is Avila, and that's why she's, like, so beautiful, and everyone loves her, because she's, like, got a little bit of that Vila in her, and that's mm-hmm. why Ron, like, 
is like overcome and like can't handle it because he's except like, he's not really overcome and can't handle it because that scene was also done. Yeah, I know. But I mean, he is he's more affected movie. by it than Harry. Though in Harry, the books, yeah, 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 yeah. Harry's affected by it at first, and mm-hmm. he kind of gets over it. Ron doesn't get over it quite as much because I think Ron's just got more hormones in his 14-year-old little body. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So that's my number three. Just a lack of what I consider to be important characters or important character facts. Which kind of feeds into my number three um, because my number three is the missing characters of house elves in general mm-hmm. specifically dobby and winky yeah this so, is a big one and this is big so so dobby is actually in this book quite a bit mm-hmm. um talks about how after harry freed him he couldn't find work for a long time because he's free and he wants to be paid now and that's just like not a thing that wizards can fathom but dumbledore has hired him and has agreed to pay him and he has like a day off here and there and he gets holidays off he's Dumbledore was willing to give him weekends off and like way more pay and Dobby was like whoa 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 that's too much I'll take a little bit of pay and holidays off he's got like one day a month off that's it not even weekends it's like one day and he thinks it's so generous and he's so happy and Hermione is appalled by it all Mm -hmm. she's like oh my gosh house elves are enslaved there's this whole storyline throughout the book where Hermione starts this club called SPEW or SPEW as Harry and Ron refer to it. But she gets kind of offended when they call it that because mm-hmm. it's the Society for the Promotion of Elfish Welfare. Um, because she takes it as a like personal assault, basically, that wizards don't care and don't see, even though... Most of the house elves, when she tries to talk to them about their freedom, get very upset with her because they like yeah, where they're they at. They straight up happy kick her out doing. of the kitchen at one point. Yeah. Um, so there's a whole storyline there. But Dobby specifically, Dobby's actually the one that gives Harry the... Um, Gillyweed. Gillyweed. Mm-hmm. Not Neville. Yes, Neville is given that book by Professor Moody. But it, like, doesn't work out the way Professor Moody, who isn't really Professor Moody, uh, plans. And well, because he so thought... then he has to go to Dobby. He was like, oh, I'm sure Harry will ask everyone for help. But he never asked Neville. And he's... I mean, he even says there at the end, he's like, Potter, you've got some pride there. Like, yeah. you need to be asking everyone for help. <laughs> um, so then he, like creates a plan to make sure that Dobby overhears a conversation and Dobby's the one that gives him the who steals from Snape's storehouse. That's where it comes from. That's where it comes from. Because yeah, it's like, where does gillyweed gillyweed isn't like a super common plant. It's like hard to get a hold of in the movie, but then you don't you still don't know where it came from. Dobby stole it from Snape. And Snape accuses Harry of stealing. (laughs) Which is why, yeah, it's just one additional thing that Snape's awful to Harry about when he's like, you stole from me. And it's like, mm-hmm. not just polyjuice potion ingredients, but gillyweed too. You're the only one that's used it recently, you know, and it's, it kind of gives Snape more ammunition against Harry. Yes. I mean, there's, there's a lot, right? Dobby, they, they exchange gifts at Christmas. 
he helps introduce them to Winky and and have opportunities to talk to her more at the school. And now I will talk about who Winky is for those who haven't read the book mm. or haven't read it in a long time. And because honestly, I kind of forgot who she was because I haven't read this one in a while. And I've only seen the movie. And the movie almost like distorts your view of it. I was yeah, like, oh, the, I hate the, the fourth movie, one. Because exactly. I hated the the fourth movie so much. It's really, it really it's bad. gets under my skin. And that so I, I was forgot like, how much I enjoy the fourth book. The fourth yeah, I was like, oh, I really don't really good. like the, I don't really like the fourth one. And then this time reading it, I was like, wait, no, no, I do. No, this one's the really good. The movie totally distorted <laughs> my vision. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... Winky is the Crouch family house elf. In the beginning. In the, well, yeah. So she's been the house elf for the Crouches for a very long time. And Barty in the beginning. So nobody actually sees who throws up the dark mark at the, whatever, at the Quidditch World Cup. Okay. And... Winky is seen saving a seat for Barty Crouch in the box. But Barty Crouch never shows up. And so Harry and Hermione and Ron talk to Winky a little bit because Harry recognizes what she is based on his friendship with Dobby. And then later, when they're trying to find who did throw up the dark mark, they find Winky who, when they're trying to stun whoever threw up the dark mark, they stun Winky and find her in the bushes clutching Harry's wand, who Harry had lost. And Barty Crouch gets all weird about it. And, like, after they find Winky, he, like, goes back over to the bushes and, like, keeps looking for other stuff and looks to see if there's somebody else there because it's against the rules for house elves to use wands and Winky's like I didn't use it I promise I found it and I picked it up blah 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 Barty's really mad she ends up getting dismissed and that's how she works in Hogwarts with Dobby and she's super ashamed and she misses Barty Crouch and because she worked in the Crouch household she's got all this information from the ministry from original trials of Death Eaters all sorts of stuff that Harry and Ron and Hermione talk to her and try to get from her in the book. And like, again, none of this is in the movie and none of it could be in the movie because they just completely left out this whole storyline and characters of house elves. But my, my point being, and, and I'll, I'll go into the importance of Winky a little bit more in my number two, <laughs> leads to again, more questions in the movie, you see Barty Crouch Jr., even if you don't know who he is yet, throw up the dark mark and you see that Harry sees him. Where in the book, it's Harry, Ron, and Hermione. Harry isn't by himself. Harry is with him. It's Ron not in the camp. The he didn't time. get knocked out. None of that. None of that happened. And they, they just hear a man's voice say, more, more, da, or whatever the spell is. And Close enough. See the dark mark appear, then the Ministry of Magic people appear. That's what happens in the book. Mm -hmm. um, and then 
Winky kind of explains what she's seen. There's this whole argument that Harry. Yeah. So in, in the movie, you do see them kind of be like. Like Crouch is super weird about why it. Why were you like, here? Very then? accusatory. Blah, 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 blah. And, yeah. And Arthur's like, that's my son. Like, that's not going to. that. It's Harry kids. Potter. It's Harry like, Potter. Exactly. You think Harry like, Potter threw up the dark, the dark mark? mark. Um, but yeah, I'll go into that a little bit more with my number two. I don't want to make any of these too long. So my number three yes. is removing house, house elves. elves, especially because we know that Dobby especially plays a key role in further books. So mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense why he was taken out. All right. My number two. All right. Here we go. This is a big one. Dumbledore. <laughs> Let's take a moment here to talk about Dumbledore and how poorly he is portrayed in this movie. And I know a lot of our fans on the fan faux pas talked about this, and I totally get it. I'm making a whole, this is my whole second point. He's so poorly portrayed. This, I think this is the worst Dumbledore portrayal that Michael Gammon does. Like I don't, I don't love him in the Dumbledore first place. In any of the movies, but this one, but this especially. one is real bad. It's just like so bad. Let's let's go through the list. <laughs> first of all, <laughs> very beginning, and this isn't his fault. This is the costuming department, and I'm like, what the heck? Dumbledore's supposed to wear like fun, like green robes with stars and he moons wears on it, colors and hats, and and yeah. yeah, he's always having fun. In the movie, he's wearing like really plain, boring robes, and I'm like, that ain't wearing, Dumbledore. He just wears light blue, like it's the same, like, and they're kind of drab all the time. <laughs> yeah, so that's one thing. Another thing <laughs> is that he has humor, like he is humorous, like. In the beginning, there's a part where he's talking about, like, the Triwizard Tournament and stuff. And he says something. And Fred and George go, like, Fred or George, one of them goes, you're joking. And, like, everyone's laughing. And Dumbledore goes, no, but I did hear a good joke once. Oh, but I yeah. guess now's not the time. I'm like, and, like, when they get the beards, Dumbledore he's comes in whimsical. and sees their beards and is like, uh ha ha many other like go up to the hospital wing though i must say your beards look particularly nice like he's also fred and george aren't don't start fighting each other no what was that back by the aging spell yeah and dumbledore shows up right then and there and is like off off you go um he jokes he when after the whole thing with Hagrid, which is all left out, Hagrid sulks and it's like sulking and doesn't want to come out of his hut and he thinks he like should retire. And Dumbledore goes to convince him not to. And like Harry, Ron, and Hermione show up and Harry's talking about Rita Skeeter and talking about how she's like a terrible person and all this stuff. And Dumbledore's like, I have appeared to have gone deaf. I don't know what you're talking about. So like Harry can go on and like say whatever he wants. And Dumbledore is like, well, and he's also like says to Hagrid, he's like, um, I refuse to accept your resignation. You can get over yourself. And I will expect you to be back teaching your class Monday morning. Like, and then he just like leaves before he can give a rebuttal at all. And, like, when he's talking to Rita, he's, like, talking about a past article he was in. And he's, like, I really like the way that you called me, like, a some, like, it's some, like, rude term. I can't remember exactly what That's it is. Awesome. <laughs> he, like, just and jokes tries about to explain. it. And he's, like, I would love to hear why you 
so rudely, extravagantly rudely (laughs) described me in that article. But now is not the time. (laughs) Like, it's so funny. He's so, like, lighthearted and happy. And then the one we've all been waiting for. Did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? He said calmly. It's not, (laughs) Harry, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? (laughs) It's like, so, like garbled and he's like gripping him and like pushes him into the so trophy mad. case like like no, no. that's he calmly that's goes Dumbledore. in he said like did you put it in harry says no and he believes and him he and he's like okay him. there's no like anger in him he never really gets angry he'll get like very serious sometimes he 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 so rarely gets angry that at the end of the book when he actually is angry, it's like it's a big such deal. a shock and a surprise yeah. because it's so rare for Dumbledore to get angry. Mm-hmm. And like he's so comforting. And it's more impactful because of that. Mm-hmm. Like throughout the book, he's comforting. Harry like is appreciative of his presence because it kind of helps calm him down, make him feel like it's going to be okay. And then at the end, after Harry comes back... And, you know, they find out the whole thing about Crouch and Dumbledore brings Harry up to the hospital wing because, like, he's had a rough time. And he and, like, everyone's waiting there for him. Like, Harry, like, no, Ron, Hermione, Bill and Mrs. Weasley are all waiting there. Fred and George, I think. Fred and George. And he says to them, he says, you guys can stay here if you want, but do not ask him any questions. Like, he's been through enough. Let him have a moment. And Harry's, like, so grateful for that. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, very understanding. And then when Fudge, freaking Cornelius Fudge, the Minister of Magic, comes, mm-hmm. and it's a whole mess, and Dumbledore straight up tells him, like, Voldemort's back, and Fudge is deliberately just, like, you're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. You're going to trust Harry? Like, no way. Like, this is, well, you're way going it against it us. Well, the too, where... He gives these like glances at Harry with like a weird smile on his face and is like, well, you can't really believe a raving lunatic, which is Barty Crouch Jr. And a boy who and then Harry's just like, you've been reading Rita Skeeter's articles, haven't you? And then Fudge is like, maybe I have. (laughs) Yeah, which like all of her articles are a load of garbage. But anyways... It's just like, and like Dumbledore just essentially just like stands up to him and it's just like, you're being dumb. This is what you need to do. Like, you need to go do this. You need to go do this. We need to get on this before Voldemort like gets too much power. And Fudge is essentially like, no. What like, would that make me look like? How would that make me look? Yeah, he blah, like blah, only blah, blah, cares blah. about like his public image, which is so annoying. And then one of the best lines is... If you're determined, like he says, if your determination to shut your eyes will carry you as far as this, Cornelius, we have reached a parting of the ways. You must act as you see fit, and I, I shall act as I see fit. He's essentially like, fine, but I'm going to, like, you know, do what's necessary to protect people. And, like, he's, Cornelius Fudge, like, you know, she's like, oh my goodness, are you, like, trying to threaten me? And he's like, no. Like, we have a common enemy in Voldemort, even though Fudge refuses to believe that. But because you get to see all that in this book, in the next book, when, like, 
Harry gets treated poorly. Dumbledore gets treated poorly. No one believes them. Like, it has a lot more foundation. Mm-hmm. Well, because my favorite line from that conversation is when Dumbledore says, you are blinded, said Dumbledore, his voice rising now, the aura of power around him palpable, his eyes blazing once more. By the love of the office you hold, Cornelius, you place too much importance and you always have done on the so-called purity of blood. You fail to recognize that it matters not what someone is born, but what they grow to be. And he goes on for to a say while. more. Um, but. And, and, and then in the next book, you basically see Fudge acting in that exact manner in the next yeah. book, in the next movie. And, you, you know, as the story progresses. So it just kind of like it gives a foundation there. But it sets sure. it up so much better in the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I again, Dumbledore, I love him in the book. I think that he's a good, steady headmaster. He's calm throughout the entire tournament. He like Dumbledore is always... Dumbledore gets a bad, bad rep though. Mm-hmm. Like as a character in general. And well, granted, he's flawed. Rowling's like after all the books were published comments and all the random extra stuff she's thrown out has definitely made it more difficult to fully appreciate his character. But I think the movies after those first two and how they portray him also really make it so that people don't like Dumbledore a whole lot and think that he treated Harry poorly and, and was, tricky and and conniving and manipulative and all these things and like maybe some of those things are partially true but he's a lot better than the movies make him out to be well i mean don't get me wrong dumbledore has his flaws all characters have their flaws and when we get to the sixth book i will share more of my thoughts on dumbledore's flaws because that's where you really see them yeah but in this one at least I mean, I really like him. He's comforting. He's there when Harry needs him. He, like, it's just, I could go on and on, but we're already, we already have gone on and on. So, what's your number two? (laughs) Okay. So, kind of continuing off my number one. My number two is the entirely botched and mostly missing Barty Crouch slash Barty Crouch Jr. storyline. Yes. So, I'll kind of start where I left off with my last one with Winky. Um, So in the book, you learn that Barty Crouch Jr., how he escaped from Azkaban is yeah, they never his talk dad about this. sneaks him out because his mom, Barty Crouch's wife, on her, who's like dying of some sort of sickness, convinces him, the dad, that's Barty Crouch Sr., to help her break their son out as like a parting gift or whatever her dying wish yeah as her dying wish so with polyjuice potion barty crouch jr and his mom switch places in azkaban so in the book nobody suspects that barty crouch jr could they all think he's dead because his mom in his place died in azkaban a year after he was put in and then they also faked the mom's death outside of Azkaban. Yeah. So it's like they were both dead and gone. So they were both dead and everyone felt they so bad for poor Barty Crouch. That Dementors are blind. 
So they only kind of sensed like one unhealthy person and one healthy person going in and one healthy person and unhealthy person coming out. Like. Yeah. Well, there and was we no way for them to know. From the last one, not in the movie, of course, but if you read the third book, Sirius also kind of explains that about Dementors and how mm-hmm. he escaped too, where they don't really see, they just kind of sense emotion or like state. Health. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so after he breaks him out though, Barty Crouch Sr., he keeps his son under the Imperious Curse, trapped in his house, basically, underneath an invisibility cloak so that nobody can ever see him. But Winky knows he's there and Winky spends time with him all the time and helps nurse him back to health. Yeah, she nurses him back to health and... Because the reason, by the way, that Crouch has him under the Imperious Curse is he's worried that if he's a, the junior is allowed to run free, he will try to find Voldemort and help him come back. Which yep. wasn't wrong. <laughs> yeah. So he goes in to basically he's nursed back to health. He's been under the Imperious Curse for so long, though, that he slowly starts like to break free of it. But Winky feeling bad for him and kind of having a false friendship with him um, helps convince Barty Crouch Sr. to let him go to the um, Quidditch World Cup. And so he is the one that sets off the dark mark. But Winky was, quote unquote, saving a spot for Barty Crouch Sr. when really she was just sitting up there with Barty Crouch Jr. underneath an invisibility cloak. And he steals Harry's wand when he's up there and then later uses it to cast the dark, set off the dark mark. And then when they discover Winky, the reason why Barty Crouch Sr. goes back over into the bushes and looks around is because he knows that if Winky's there, so is his son. And it just, there's, there's just so much more in the book where you understand. There's so many layers to Barty Crouch Sr. and why he is the way he is. He's not just this, I don't know, in the movie he's just portrayed as this weird, like, uncaring, unloving, like, rule which, I mean, follower. He is. When, which, which he is, but in the movie you understand, not in the movie, in the book you understand that he is almost to a point where he breaks rules in the name of following rules. <laughs> Yeah, like, he would use unforgivable curses, and, like, he would kill people in order to try to prove... During the days of Voldemort, he was the one that said that ours could use the unforgivable curses themselves against dark wizards. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not good. Yeah. But he always wanted to be Minister of Magic. Like, that's what he was going for. Mm -hmm. He was super rule-abiding. So the reason he hates, like any dark wizards or anything like that is because they're like the opposite of what he wants and then he hates his son because he like ruined his image and chance of becoming minister of magic and he dismisses winky right away because she associates with him with the dark mark and everyone's like accusing him and so he's like can't be associated with that like he's so and especially because he knows he knows what actually happened but he doesn't fess up he can't Mm -mm. tell anybody so then in the movie also, he's kind of there to explain the tournament, which is true. He's there at the beginning 
of um, the in the book as well, but he's actually under the Imperious Curse in yes. the book because Voldemort through Bertha, Bertha, whatever Jorkins, yes, um, <laughs> that you talked about learns that Barty Crouch Jr. is indeed alive and he's like a very faithful follower of Voldemort. So they go and set him free and that's how Barty Crouch Jr. gets the role of playing Mad-Eye and he's not there in the beginning. He's not in any of Harry's dreams. He's... (laughs) I get it. The movie doesn't have time to show all this. I get they had to take shortcuts. I understand... I do. Logically, I understand. <laughs> Emotionally, I don't like it. <laughs> um, but well, also, I feel like there's there's there there had to have been ways that they could have included at least some more of this. Especially because, mm-hmm. like, in the movie, it's just like Barty Crouch sees Mad Eye Moody do a weird tongue thing, which is not in the movie in the book at yeah, all. Yeah, no, there's no and tongue thing. And then they suddenly randomly find him dead in the book. He's just missing for a really long time, and then Harry Everyone finds him sick. still alive with Victor Crumb because he's fighting against the Imperious Curse. But Harry talks about how he was rambling and definitely seemed kind of mad and. And malnourished and crazy as he came out of the forest. Well, and he, forest. like, kept thinking he was talking to, like, Percy Weasley and being like, oh, yes, Weatherby, like, we yes. need to do this or whatever. Because he always called Percy Weasley Weatherby. But, and then but he'd, then like, in go that out of that conversation, yeah. And he'd be like, I need to talk to Dumbledore. Like, I need to admit to him, to warn him. Like, I've, I've done stuff wrong. Which he's like, it's all my fault. Like, it's all my fault. And he, like gives more hints yeah and more clues to and then harry runs to get dumbledore and in the process victor crumb gets knocked out and barty crouch jr kills his father turns him into a bone and buries him which you don't learn about but you don't learn that until the, the end. end yeah and so then it's after all of that right that harry then goes to talk to dumbledore another time and learns more things by falling into the Pensieve in them. And I understand why you needed in the in the movie. So in the book, Harry actually sees and sits through three different trials that Dumbledore attended. Yeah. And I understand for time why you couldn't include all three of those in the movie. But. Well. Yeah, but I, I can't. I can understand why they couldn't. Um, they probably could have. They could have at least, in the way they did it in the movie, portrayed Barty Crouch Jr. correctly. Mm-hmm. Because in the movie, in 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 the movie, he's all like dastardly and jumpy, and, and snarky, and evil, and like, "Hello, father," and like, like, don't get me wrong, basically I love admits David it right away. And yes, I love David Tennant too, and I do. Think he did he a, great a great job, job with what he was given. <laughs> But in the book, he's 19, which, you know, is still pretty dang young. And even though he is guilty and you do learn that he is eventually guilty, the act he puts on in this trial makes Harry doubt that he was actually guilty and and makes him believe that... And he's like, Father, I didn't do it, Father. And he cries, his mom's there. yeah it's just a whole mess and it's just it's real messy bellatrix lestrange the lestranges are there too the lestranges are there you learn about something that i mean let me just 
you know, veer off course for a little bit. Neville's past. You learn about what's going on with mm-hmm. his parents. You learn Which that. Which is in the scene in the movie. Kinda. Kinda. They, they, they do, they gloss over it. They do mention it. They mention, like, yes, and who used the Cruciatus curse on the Or Longbottom and his wife. Like, they, they mention it in the movie, but they don't. But, like, they go they into don't. it and explain it a lot better in the book. Like, they essentially say, like, they tortured Neville's parents, who were both Aurors, to try to figure out where Voldemort was after the whole debacle of him losing his power because they thought that they knew. And they used the Cruciatus curse on them so much that they went insane. And now they don't even know who their son is. And that's why Neville yeah, was raised by his grandmother. Their own son. Mm-hmm. And like, it's super sad. And then it like puts Neville in a whole new light, you know? To Harry. Yeah. Yeah. And Harry's like, everybody feels bad for him as an orphan. And he's like, they should feel worse for Neville. Like Neville's the one that's really yeah. got it hard. Having parents alive, but who don't know him basically mm-hmm. or recognize him. So um, I, that was, you know, kind of glossed so over yeah, just, as well. finally just in the end harry I'm, I'm i mean i understand why they wanted to in the movie add that suspense you know and of like i don't remember mentioning anything about a graveyard professor yeah that Whereas that wasn't there in, in the book straight up he says porky took me to a graveyard like <laughs> and well and it's not like he figures out that moody's not moody he like he thinks is, that moody himself somehow turned to the dark side and is evil and he's and so then, like, confused moody comes yeah. out and is like yeah i did it i did all this stuff blah 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 blah, blah. and he just like starts confessing to him <laughs> and then harry's like what no you didn't that's impossible and he just has yeah. like the hardest time wrapping his head around it and then when dumbledore and them do finally pop up it's dumbledore snape and mcgonagall um and they you know blast in with stupefy um he still looks like moody there's no like dramatic i've got to find more polyjuice potion it's, yeah he's still moody and then they knock him out he's yeah they stun him and dumbledore gets his keys and unlocks that chest and finds the real mad eye moody and then he says to harry he's like that's not mad eye moody i knew when i said to him no, keep Harry here, and he still took you away from the scene. I knew it couldn't have been Alistair. And mm-hmm. so it kind of explains how Dumbledore knew finally that it wasn't the real him. Then they use a different spell to unstun him. They wait a little bit, and they and the Polyjuice Potion then wears off, and they find out who it is. And then it is true that, like, he asks Snape to go get the Veritas Serum, and they use that to make sure that he's telling the truth. Um, And then in the book, it just goes into a lot more detail and explains how he did it, why he did it, how he got out, his father's role in it. And it's just... And then it also explains in in the book that is not touched on in the movie that when they tell Fudge to come up and, like, interrogate him... Fudge is so scared to do it that he asks a Dementor to, like, um, escort him in there for his safety. And that the Dementor immediately performs the Dementor's kiss and basically makes it so that they can't get any more information out of him. He becomes useless. He, be- he you know, essentially dies, except it's worse than death, right? And... 
that's why there's no evidence. That's why they can't talk to him more, use him as a... Uh-oh. Hey, I'm on my phone now. So am I. <laughs> it freaked out. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if it was my iPad or what. Okay, cool. Well. <laughs> um, that's going to be a big thing that I'm going to have to cut out. Okay, well, anyway, okay. I was basically just saying that it's just more evidence against fudge for why fudge sucks. And then also explains why in further movies and things, they can't refer to Barty Crouch Jr.'s testimony. You know, there's no, please call Azkaban. I think they will find that a cell is empty. Like, no. None of that happens like it does in the movie. So, yeah. There's a lot more I could go into. I don't know how well I explained that or covered it. But, yeah, that is my number two. Alrighty. Do you want to do some honorable mentions before number one? We've kind of already mentioned some. Yeah, but I have some more. (laughs) (laughs) Um, one, um, this is like, it's not super important, which is why it's an honorable mention and I get why they didn't do it. But in the beginning of the book, before you see like the old man going to the house and getting killed, um, they tell you about like the past of that house and like it was the Riddles house and like this like weird thing happened where all three of them showed up dead one day in the same room, like the parents and the son None of them had, like, any signs of, like, why they were dead. And, like, it didn't make any sense. And it was all super mysterious. And, like, everyone blamed the gardener. But, like... Who was then the one that... That gets killed by Voldemort in both the book and the movie. But, like, it kind of tells you, and you learn later, like, that that's, like, the Riddles is... Tom Riddle is the son there, who is Voldemort's dad... And Voldemort was the one who went and killed them all. And that's why it's like, there was no sign of like how they died because they died by like the Avada Kedavra curse, which doesn't leave any marks. So essentially, like, I just think that if you haven't read the book, it's kind of like just a little bit of something that you're missing out on, you know? Yeah. Speaking of the unforgivable curses, you kind of see... in the book, I mean, in the movie, Mad-Eye teaches them the curses. What you don't see is Mad-Eye actually uses the Imperious curse on them to try to help them to be able to resist it. And Harry gets it, like, pretty quickly and is Harry's able to, like, the resist. the only one who can. Yeah. Which comes back later in the graveyard when Voldemort tries to use the Imperious curse on him and he fights against it. And even Voldemort, he does like, use the Cruciatus curse. Yes, on him, and they show that he in does. The movie. He does all three. And actually, that's something too. <laughs> Ralph finds is that what how you say it? Finds, yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure that's how you say it. Um, he is the actor that plays Voldemort, and mm-hmm. I think he did a fantastic job. Oh yeah, on like the opposite end of like Michael Gambon, right, and Dumbledore. Yes, I think oh. that Ralph finds understood is a great Voldemort I, I think he understood 
that his performance was going to be critiqued by a lot of people and that this mm-hmm. book series was very big and a lot of people had a lot of big expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think he understood that because you read that scene in the graveyard and then you see Voldemort's performance and it's like almost exactly the way that J.K. Rowling describes it yeah he does a very good job he does a really good job so that's an that's a positive thing mm-hmm. same with mad eye brendan gleason mm-hmm. who plays mad eye does a great job for sure like i think he really captures the kind of like gruff jumpy weird persona i think they did a good job too with the death eaters cloaks and hoods and masks and everything mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. And I especially kind of liked, because I I, I, I I think it's hard for you to, and I think J.K. Rowling described them this way for a reason too, but it's hard to see the Death Eaters robes and I think not think of like the Ku Klux Klan and the KKK because they're yeah, essentially they're... the wizarding version of that. And yes. you can almost see it as like a you know, an allegory for lack of a better term, metaphor, whatever for Mm -hmm. very real problems and people we see in our world today. Still even, you know, sadly. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and like with that, um, and the whole graveyard scene was, I'd say one of the better scenes in the movie. But, like, leading up to the graveyard scene, there's a lot of foreshadowing that we don't really get to see, which I was bummed mm-hmm. about. Like, in the book, there's a lot of foreshadowing to, like, Snape, like, kind of talks about, like, he has a problem with his arm, which you later learn is because the dark mark's coming back. And, like, well, there's a lot of foreshadowing. you see that in the movie because you see Karkaroff and Snape talking in his supply. But they, like, merge things together that that's mm-hmm. not how it happened in the books. And- mm or like in the in the book you see Barty Crouch on the map. Harry sees him on the martyr's map. Mm-hmm. And is like, "Why is Mr. Crouch breaking into Snape's office? Like that doesn't make any sense cuz Barty Crouch Jr has the same name as his dad, so he just thinks that it's Barty Crouch the Elder when it's really Moody in disguise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whatever. And Moody actually takes the map from he, Harry. Well, he doesn't. So take he can't it. figure Harry it out. Harry lends it to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He has to borrow it, and Harry lends it to him. But I mean, the reason he takes it is so he doesn't figure it out. Yeah. And it's just like a bunch of foreshadowing. Um, Speaking of foreshadowing. Thing... Oh, sorry. Do you want to go? Oh, I was just. This one's kind of small, but like one thing that they leave out of the movies a lot, leading up to like the sixth one, which is when the whole Harry Ginny romance blooms is Mm. the fact that like Ginny still has a crush on harry oh yeah and like you can see it very clearly in the book that like anytime he like talks about girls or anything she's like like she like gets all annoyed and stuff so that's another thing that like in the book it kind of foreshadows like oh yeah she's still kind of into him but in the movie it's just they kind of just ignore her yeah kind of off that too is and I know we've touched on this before but I just really got to talk about it again is 
in the movies, for whatever reason, they really try to like force this connection between Harry and Hermione. Oh, yes. It's so annoying. Because in the book, it's like Ron is his best friend. He goes Mm -hmm. to Ron first with almost anything. And yes, the movie does show like that the fight between Harry and Ron where but they even don't talk during, for a couple of weeks. Even during the fight, like there's parts where Harry's like, oh, I wish I could talk to Ron about this. Or he's like, Hermione's, Hermione's fine, but I miss Ron. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they just, and, and even when they're not in that fight, they just, in the movie, they do all this stuff and they just show all these scenes where it's like, that's not Hermione who does that. That's not Hermione who says that. Like, and I don't understand why. Throughout all the movies, they try to force this connection. Yes, they're Even friends. When, yes, he, when he, Rita she's one Skeeter, of his best friends. But. When Rita Skeeter writes an article, she says, like, which they kind of show in the movie, though they do it in a really weird way. Like, she never shows up in the tent randomly. Yeah. That's not in the book. But the, Rita Skeeter's like, oh, it's Harry Potter's girlfriend. And Harry straight up. Like, because Victor Crumb asks him, he's like, what's going on with you and Hermione? And he's like, nothing. We're friends. Like, don't, like, don't worry. There's nothing there. We're just friends. Yeah, we're just friends. And he clears it up real quick. <laughs> yeah. So... Not to mention that in the, in the book, they, they do a lot better. They, they, they really don't do a great job at all in the movie of kind of explaining why Ron is as upset as he is. In the movie, mm-hmm. it just makes Ron look exceptionally dramatic, and it's just bad. It makes Ron yeah. look really bad, and in the book, you understand a lot better why. He's he just jealous. Just he's jealous, and and why he he just feels so pushed aside over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And this was just kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back, kind of thing. Yeah. So. Yep, for sure. I mean, there's so many um, more things we could say. We could say so many things. Hold on, I have, I have one more. We have to talk about it. We've talked about it before, but this one especially. Snape. Well, yeah. How much they freaking underplay how annoying he is and how terrible of a teacher he is. One scene in particular that is in this book that makes me livid. Which I think, you know, it's the attended thing. I think you're kind of supposed to hate Snape a little bit. Um, is Hermione, in the beginning, they kind of mentioned she's kind of got like buck teeth a little bit. You know? Which is fine. Mm-hmm. It's cute. Yeah. And then at one point, Malfoy and Harry and Ron and them all get into this like big tiff. And they cast hexes. They ricochet. Hermione gets hit in the face. And her teeth, her two front teeth start growing. And Snape comes out because it's outside the potions classroom. And it's like, what's going on? And Malfoy's like, this or this. And he sends Goyle, who has like, you know, boils on his face, sends him to the hospital wing. And then Ron's like, well, Hermione got hit too. And Snape looks at Hermione in the face. And it says that her teeth are now down to her, the collar of her shirt. Like, think about that. That's like a lot of teeth. And he just says straight to her face, I see no difference. And she runs well, then off. Not in to tears. mention that he gives 
Harry and Ron both detention, even though Ron, this is during the fight between Harry and Ron. So Ron wasn't involved at all. And well, he did even throw though, a like, curse. He got kind of mad. <laughs> even though like Malfoy, you know, was just as big of a player, if not the instigator, you know, yeah. he comes across with no punishment. But just like imagine telling a 14 year old girl who already has, you know, probably body issues and stuff. That you see Self, no difference. Issues, yeah. Like, that's so rude and terrible and, and unforgivable, when honestly. Madame Pomfrey is fixing her teeth, you know, and shrinking them back down, she waits, uh, like, an extra little bit before telling Madame Pomfrey to stop. And so then it, like, mm-hmm. fixes. So she gets rid of smile, the smile, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And which helps make her look... It does. Like, Harry and Ron both even, like, talk about how her smile... It, she but it's like she's more confident in her smile like the Mm -hmm. way she even smiles like changes and yeah yeah but it's just stuff like that like i have a couple more i could go into but i won't of like snape just being the The worst possible human being on the planet and they do not show that very well in only the only person only character who i think is truly worse i mean voldemort of course but you know, mm. we'll, we'll, we'll get to her in the next book. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's enough of honorable mentions. Yeah. Like I it's said, this book, for... the book is so long and I know the movie yeah. couldn't mention everything. And so there's so many different things we could have talked about, but we're just going to do our final number one. We don't want this to go on for forever. Um, so we're just yeah. going to get to our final ones. Yes. Mm. Which, I mean, it's still is, is a doozy, but. Yeah. So I want to go into talking about how they portrayed the Triwizard Tournament and the Triwizard Tasks and some flaws in the way that they did it in the movie. Like, so let's start at the beginning with the first task. (laughs) Yes. The beginning is a very good place to start. So Um, let's start with the first task. Well, how about even before the first task? How about the fact that the Goblet of Fire is like... A wooden goblet? It, it, <laughs> yeah, it's explained as being super simple and like kind of boring looking. <laughs> that one I get. You know, they wanted to dress it up for the movie. So I kind of glanced over that one because there are worse problems. But yeah, so like... It's just kind of funny to me. Harry gets his name pulled. It's a whole big deal. He's like told he has to compete. He does get help from Moody. It's not very explicit. Like, I feel like in the movie, he, like, kind of tells him straight out what to do. But in the book, it's more like just hinting, like, what are you good at? How could you get a thing that you want? And then Hermione is the one that helps Harry learn the summoning spell. The Accio. And then they get to the first task. They also... Accio. It's Asio. They're okay, supposed in, to say Asio, but in the movie they say Accio. But to be fair, in I mean, it's it doesn't sound great. So <laughs> I guess it doesn't sound great either way. But <laughs> no. Anyways, um, so they do this whole thing with the dragon coming off the chain, and they fly around Hogwarts. <laughs> None of that happens. It's like a whole like probably five minutes max. Harry gets it. 
he like gets her to start flying, dives down, grabs the egg, boom, it's over. Like it's quick. Well, because the golden egg is in a nest with the rest full of, of other eggs, the dragon's actual eggs. Like, cause they're all nesting mothers. Cause they're nesting mothers, yeah. And so I was like, you wasted all of this time. Like, you already were having to cut out so much of the book, and then you waste also all this time. That he basically kills the dragon, like that's which not is nice. not true. And like, Crumb even gets points deducted for damaging some of the real eggs. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're trying to be nice to the dragons, <laughs> but like, humane. it's supposed to be they're trying to be humane. It could have been way shorter. Like, they spent way too much time on it. They were just trying to make it more dramatic. So that's the first task. Could have been way shorter. Then the second task. No, actually, let's talk about the Yule Ball first. There are (laughs) no dance lessons in the book. And I don't know why they wasted precious movie time on the stupid dance lesson. Because it was funny. No, it was stupid. <laughs> I think they could have. No, I agree. No, I think they could have had that lightheartedness and that humor that that not existent scene, you know, kind of put into the movie. If they mm-hmm. had just included freaking Weasley wizard wheezes. Which yeah, that would have been out. way better. Like the Fred and George do like they're trying to set up a joke shop and stuff. This is the beginning of Weasley wizard wheezes. It's in this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's like, I just, I, again, we talk about this precious real estate and we talk about like, I get it. You know, the movie can only be so long. That's why they had to cut stuff out. But when they then add in stuff that wasn't even in the book, I get so upset because I'm like, you, you had no reason to do that. You have plenty of material in the book to choose from. Why the heck did you feel the need to go adding in some dumb scene that didn't need to be there? Very passionate, and I, and as you like, can tell. Yeah, I get they want the movie to be dramatic, but there's there's more ways to sh- show excitement and drama than just extending a scene to be really long. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like the flying car scene that we talked about mm-hmm. in the second one. Yeah, it's you just know, like, it's why it's not it necessary. It was? Yeah, <laughs> and then so they get past the Yule Ball, you know, which is it's decent. Um, <laughs> won't go into it too much and then he figures out so cedric gives him the clue about the egg and what you don't really see in the movie is how he's so reluctant to like take the advice Mm because he's mad that cedric is going out with with cho Cho. (laughs) um and so he like pushes it off to like the last minute and finally is like fine i'll go so he goes to the bathroom and he does it also, they make Myrtle so creepy in the movie. They do. Like, she's not that creepy. Like, yeah, I mean, it's weird she's in the bathroom when he's, you know, all naked time. She's more gloomy but, than creepy. But, like, she's like, I closed my eyes. And, like, she's not in the water cozying up next to him like a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> she's also in the lake when he goes in the lake. And she helps him find where the she mer points- people live. Yeah, she's like, I'm not going to go with you, though, because they're not very nice. <laughs> yeah, but, like, she helps him. And so there's that. There's the fact that, like, when he gets into the lake, there's no, like, one, it's not Neville, as we've discussed, that gives it to him. So there's no, like, oh, no, I've killed Harry Potter. Like, no. He slowly no, he, walks in. 
He's late. And then, yeah, he's, he's like, late to. He's like he's, running to get there, still in full robes. He's not in like yeah, a he's, swimming outfit. He's in full robes when he goes in, and he just goes in. Like he says, he ignores everyone else, and he just goes in. There's no like fun leap into the air, <laughs> wasting precious time. Well, yeah, because once the gills come out, he can't, he can't breathe. breathe above water. Yeah, yeah. So he goes straight under. Myrtle helps him. They did a good job where, like, he does stay to make sure that everyone's safe. He can't talk, though, by the way. It's just bubbles that come out under the water. So there's yeah. no him talking to the mer people. Also, the mer people are not, like, that angry. Like, they're normal. They have, like, a whole village. It's a whole, like, culture down there. There's, like, homes. And, it's, and it talks about how they even have, like, their own, like, garden pets. areas. <laughs> and it's actually the... And that they're like, laughing. The, they like, yeah. they like laugh they at think him. it's they're funny like angry they like think it's funny that he like first of all like struggles in the beginning to untie or cut ron's rope they're like laughing mm-hmm. at him because he like tries to take one of their spears and he just like the merman like laughs at him like you can't have he's this. like i'm not You're helping not yourself <laughs> i'm not helping you but it's that's it's the it's like the what do they call her the mer the grindy lows are the ones that are no 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 mean Yes, they know, are. I'm just Which they do. Point. They show that a little bit. Mm-hmm. But no, the, the Mer Queen chick. The Mer Chieftainess. Yes, that chick. She talks to Dumbledore and she's the one that explains to Dumbledore like, hey, he hung out to make sure everyone was safe. And that's like how they know. That's how the judges know. By the way, there's like a whole judging panel that they didn't really cover in the movie. Like there's points, points awarded. Yeah. It's not, it's just, not like, just like whoever does it the fastest or finishes first. Yeah. Uh-uh. There's like a whole points thing involved. So they all left. Yeah. They left that out. And then the third task, which is the big doozy, the maze, they totally screwed up. Like, oh my goodness. <laughs> Where do I begin? Like, there's supposed to be a bunch of like mythical creatures in there that Hagrid stuck in along with charms. The maze is not alive. It's not like the hedges are like alive or anything like that. It's not like the maze is changing. It's not Maze Runner. (laughs) Yeah. It's not like the maze doesn't. We'll get to eventually. (laughs) (laughs) The maze doesn't eat floor. Like Moody, who, you know, is actually Barty Crouch Jr., knocks her unconscious through the maze (laughs) and then takes her out of the running. The Imperious Curse on Victor Crumb. He doesn't, like, have that weird look on his face or anything like that. And, like, he doesn't, like, almost attack Harry. And, like, anyways, that whole weird and, thing and they Cedric did. Cedric doesn't attack him. Harry attacks no. Crumb before Crumb can... it Because Crumb is using the Cruciatus curse on Cedric. Which is a big deal. <laughs> and so they knock him out and then send up red sparks so that people come and get him. Then... There's no, like, weird, like, rushing as the maze is closing in on the goblet or the cup, you know? Like, what was that about? Well, and they're not mean to each other either. In the movie... No, they're quite cordial. It shows this, like, mean competitiveness between Cedric and Harry. And it's, like, like, grabbing at each other. Cedric, and then Cedric willingly helps Harry. Like... Because, like... Essentially, what happens is Harry has to go through a sphinx, which he does. And then she, she's like, all right, you're almost there. 
and he like sees the cup and then he sees Cedric in front of him and he's like ah like he beat me like there's no way I can run faster than him spider shows up and almost takes out Cedric and Harry's like watch out and they defeat the spider together but Harry gets his leg like super injured oh basically he he breaks or sprains his ankle he sprains his ankle and he like gets it all cut cut up yeah and so he's like I can't beat you in a race like Cedric go take the freaking cup and Cedric's very nice and he's like no like you've saved my life twice tonight like you should take it and Harry's like fine we'll do it together it's like a whole argument they have like a good it's like probably a very like, long argument long there's no five weird, minute like, argument tangled vines and like vine no. scene no and it's Cedric so dumb like help me Harry and like Harry like hesitates and it's like yeah no the there's none of that of both Harry and Cedric in the maze is just so off yeah so that whole thing was just annoying the way that because like I'm like you're already doing CGI why did you decide to do this weird thing where the maze is alive <laughs> and then they go and they calmly Maybe take the cup harder <laughs> yeah and then when they also, get the maze to is in the quidditch field I don't think yes that, that's where so it is everyone's up above so they can see what's going on you know and when they, when Harry returns after the thing with Cedric's body, there's not people like right there. Like they're all up in the stands still. Like what? So it takes a while for like the degrees to get down. And yeah. and like, don't get me wrong. The scene in the movie of like the dad being like, my son and stuff. Like that's not in the book at all. It's heart wrenching. <laughs> heart wrenching, but not in the book at all. <laughs> And his dad's But what super is in annoying. the book and is in the movie is Harry, like, clutching Cedric's clutching body and, like, to him. not letting yeah. go. Yeah. And it's actually Dumbledore that very calmly pries him away. <laughs> and I will say, like, they did a great job with Cedric's dad, though I think he's more annoying in the book. Of He's so proud of his son. Like, his son is oh, his yeah. pride and joy. So it's like really sad when he dies. Mm-hmm. But he has a mom um, too. And the mom. Yes, he does. In the book and the mom does not exist in the movie. No. So and then like when they get to the graveyard, Cedric's not like walking around like, oh, where are we? What's going on? Oh my gosh. It's a porky. Like five like, minutes no. later. He's like immediately like, we should have our wands out. <laughs> yeah. He's like, this is weird. Is this part of the tournament? Like, we should get our wands out. Like, they don't move. Like, they stay where they are. It's, like, totally different. And Harry's super injured. So he, like, can't even move on his own. He's, like, laying on the ground. Yeah. Like, his leg gives out. His leg can't support his weight. So. Yeah. So. It's just, like, the, I mean, it's the whole main point of this whole book slash movie is the triwizard tournament and it all come like culminating up to the graveyard scene and you'd think they would put effort into at least portraying the tournament correctly but they didn't <laughs> and it's they very frustrating got the basic tri- they, they, they got the trials at their most basic level the same yeah they didn't like yeah. totally change what one of the trials were mm-hmm um, but, geez, just the portrayal overall. But there's some details that they definitely could have gotten correctly and wouldn't have 
drastically added time to the length of the film or, you know, any of those excuses that are obvious to us, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that's my number one, which I think is, you know, a pretty big one, considering it's the whole Triwizard Tournament. Okay, so my number one... This is something that I care a lot about, hence why it's number one, is the lack of Sirius Black. Ah, Sirius, we love him. So, the only thing that the movie really keeps is him talking to Harry through the fire. Which they do a really terrible job at showing that. And portraying. It's like, not great. His, but his face is not supposed to be made of coal. <laughs> no, it's supposed to be his head. <laughs> his head is like straight up floating in the fire, which I think they do in the next one. But mm, they do it a little bit better in the next one. But mm-hmm. anyway, so that's true. But so in the book, Harry and Sirius are consistently sending letters back and forth. Harry's switching up owls so that it's not obvious, blah, blah, blah. But... When Sirius starts getting certain news from Harry, he gets concerned, as he should, because he's his godfather and he cares a lot about Harry, to the point where he's like, hey, when's your next Hogsmeade trip? Let me know. And they meet up with Sirius. And bring food. (laughs) Yeah, and bring food. um, In his, you know, dog form in Hogsmeade. And then he takes... Harry, Ron, and Hermione to this, like, cave in the mountains on the edge of town. And there's Buckbeak still, you know, happy. And they bow and he bows and they're all happy to see him. And Sirius turns back into himself and they have this big conversation. They ask him lots of questions. A lot of theorizing and stuff happens with Sirius well, in person. he's where they initially learn about a lot of stuff. Like, that's where they learn about... A lot about Crouch and his son. And they learn a lot about, like, uh, what's your face? Bertha. Bertha Jorkins. Jake. Mm -hmm. Because he was a little little bit older than him, but they were still at school the same time. And, Mm -hmm. yeah, she might have been pretty dim, but she wasn't forgetful. Like, he specifically says that. And Well, and you later figure out the reason that she's so forgetful is because... Barty Crouch put a memory charm on her that was so strong it like made her just very forgetful in general. So that's a big scene, right? Is mm-hmm. he's actually there? They actually see him, and then at the end of the tournament, after they come back from the after graveyard, Dumbledore you know bursts in on Crouch and everything. He gives you know Snape and McGonagall their different jobs to do. Snape's supposed to go tell fudge that like hey this is who it is you got to come up here and he sends mcgonagall to go out to hagrid's hut where he she will find a big black dog and to bring the dog (laughs) to his office and mcgonagall's just like okay okay and so sirius was there like on school grounds during the third trial because he was so worried about Harry. And then at the end of it, it's like 
He's waiting in Sirius. In Sirius is waiting in Dumbledore's office. He turns back into himself, right? He's not in dog form anymore when Dumbledore and Harry come in and Harry is in really bad shape and Sirius is livid. He's mad. He's like, what the heck happened? Look at him. The And he, like, the way well, and Dumbledore, do you know, Dumbledore's like, you need to tell me what happens in the graveyard. And Sirius is like, let him have a break. Like, it's look like, at him. No, look <laughs> at him. Like, are you kidding me? And he's, he's a father figure. He acts, you know, the way that you would expect James to act in that situation. Mm-hmm. You know, seeing his son in that situation. And it's just, and then when he goes to the hospital wing, he at Dumbledore's like, serious, would you like to accompany him? And he's like, yeah. And so Madame Pomfrey is back like, into what a dog. Was this dog here for? And Dumbledore's like, no, it's fine. The dog's going to stay. Like yeah, the dog's Sirius very well trained <laughs> all night. And then it also shows Sirius changing back from a dog back to himself in front of Molly and Severus. So that in the next book, in the next movie, <laughs> It's not some weird shocker that suddenly they're all okay with Sirius being around and well, not and it's being, Dumbledore. You know, like, it's Dumbledore who essentially talks to Sirius and Snape and is like, "Y'all need to put your differences behind you because yeah, we're all on the same yourselves. side, <laughs> and Voldemort's back, and we need to just you know we need deal everybody with this. to be together, <laughs> exactly." And so they shake hands. I just feel like the relationship that Harry has with Sirius is really important. It is his father figure. It is Mm -hmm. that. And for his, spoiler alert, I mean, you should hopefully see this coming, but for his death, for Sirius's death to be so impactful to Harry and as impactful as it is, it makes a lot more sense when you have this buildup and you understand that it wasn't just seeing him for two seconds in mm-hmm. you know when they released him from in the third like, one no he he writes him all the time it. he's very a prevalent lot of talking he shows up you know when harry needs him despite well, and the like, risk of him being caught he shows up well and at the end there after everything like with fudge and dumbledore dumbledore is like saying snape you need to do this like madame pomfrey do this this do this and then he tells Sirius like you need to go like tell Lupin tell this person tell this person hang low at Lupin's for a while and then like we'll do this and Harry's like no like I want him to stay yeah and he like it feels bad because he like really wants Sirius there and Sirius is like but he's also like I get it like he needs to go and Sirius is like I'll see you soon like don't worry I'll see you again yeah yeah but it shows like Harry really does rely on him it's just a strong, important relationship that I think this this movie could have and should have included more of. Um, well, it's in interesting because from a movie perspective, he's like a super important person in the third. He's a super important person in the fifth. And in the fourth, you see him like once. <laughs> yeah. But in the books you realize like no he's in it pretty consistently after the third like third fourth and fifth he's he's there he's there yeah so um that's my number one Sirius is one one. of my favorite characters he's so good Ron Weasley Ron Weasley the whole Weasley family actually I love them but 
<laughs> Seriously, okay. great. This is pretty long. So, um, not as long as it could have been. Grievances. Not as long as it could have been. True. We could have kept going, um, but we still have fan faux pas to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to do that next. Again, I know there's plenty we could have talked about. Maybe we'll get to some of them now with the fan faux pas. Um, but this book, like I said at the beginning, was a doozy. So we have one from Jaden S. Um, they said that they didn't include half the book, like Winky or the entire plot point with Barty Crouch's mom taking his place at Azkaban. And we've touched on this. We talked about this a bit. But, I mean, it totally. Like, it is. <laughs> I feel like they really didn't include, like, half the book. Yeah. And they easily could have taken out. They could have left out, like, the stupid dance scene. And they could have <laughs> included a little bit about at least like you know how Barty Crouch got out of Azkaban because that's kind of an important question (laughs) you think about yeah you you definitely wonder yeah um so I've got one from Holly K and she says hello my favorite sisters I feel like the movie Dumbledore was too angry or intense when he questioned Mm -hmm. Harry about putting his name in the goblet Felt very out of character for him. And we have indeed touched on that. <laughs> and it's so agree. true. But no, an, an interesting thing is Holly mentioned in her comment later, a little later on, she said that she hasn't even gotten to the fourth book yet. She's only read the first two. But even just from like reading the first two compared to this Dumbledore, like even she can tell. Like he is a bad version of Dumbledore that this didn't match yeah the personality that JK Rowling was setting up in the books yeah Mm -hmm. exactly okay do you got um yeah next one from Shauna L uh she starts out all caps Harry did you put your name in the goblet of fire (laughs) screamed (laughs) in the movie versus did you put your name in the goblet of fire Harry he asked calmly in the book which again totally agree calmly it straight up says it like how dumb do you have to be? Again, Michael Gambon didn't read any of the books. Just saying. And it shows. Um, <laughs> she goes on to say, no Charlie Weasley ha- handling the dragons, which seems silly considering we meet all the other Weasleys at some point, which I totally agree. I wish we got to see Charlie because he's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, no Rita Skeeter being an Animagus. We touched on this earlier. Uh, the pink versus periwinkle dress. Uh, we did not talk about this. Um, it's true. In the movie, they gave her that pink dress. Though in the book, they clearly state that it's a periwinkle dress. And I've seen people try to be like, try to like justify it. And I'm like, I don't care. Like, it was just, it was a dumb change that they didn't need and to we make. Know like, it why did she like have a to small wear pink? Detail. Like... Who cares about the color of a dress? But like if you in the book, the way they describe Hermione and how she looks and why and everything, it's just it's a big deal. And like people don't even recognize her at first kind of thing. Sorry, Mm -hmm. Emma. Emma Watson's just too pretty. (laughs) Yep. Because Hermione doesn't start out that pretty. She it's a slow transformation. And I could go on and on about how they messed up her hair in this movie as well 
it should have been they way more frizzy. Mm-hmm. They made her too pretty. <laughs> uh, anyway, Shauna goes on to say the tournament winnings being given to Fred and George to open their joke shop in the book, but not the movie. Totally, I wish they had shown mm-hmm. that because I mean, like the I goblet of Wizard Weasley's Wizard Wheezes. Because <laughs> when he wins the Triwizard Tournament, Harry gets like a thousand galleons, which is like a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and he's like, I, I don't, don't remember want their it. conversion rate, but it's big. <laughs> no, but it's a lot. Um, but he doesn't want it because he feels guilty having it. He doesn't need it. He's got, you know, the fortune he inherited from his family. And he tries giving it to the Diggories and they're like, oh, no, 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 that's yours. Like, we, we couldn't possibly take it. And then he, like, tries. He's like, essentially says, like, anyone take it. Like, I don't want it. And everyone's like, no, 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 like, it's yours. And then when, at the very end, when he gets off the train at King's Cross Station, he f- gives it to Fred and George. And they're like, what? And he's like, we all need more laughs. So, like, take the money to start your joke shop. Because, like, as things get worse, we're all going to need a better reason to laugh. Which I think is super fun and cute. And it kind of just shows, like, that Harry's a good person. And he didn't keep the money. And that's where Fred and George got the money to start a joke shop. (laughs) But Shauna finishes by saying, I have many emotions towards how they messed this movie up. Amen. (laughs) As you've seen through this podcast, like we also do. <laughs> oh, All right, man. I've got one last one. This is from Marley G. And she says, I'm not a fan of how Winky was left out of the movie. Having her there is what launched Hermione to create Spew, which is also unfortunately left out. All of the parts with the house elves really expand on the Golden Trio's personalities. Also, Dobby got the gillyweed for Harry, not Neville. But considering they left Dobby out entirely, it makes sense that it would come from Neville. And we agree. Um, Mm Kind of touched on a lot of that before. Um, But Marley continues by saying, I do like the guy who plays Mad-Eye and how well he imitated the lip-licking thing that David Tennant does as Barty Crouch Jr., I also really like how they did the ending part in the graveyard and in the tournament grounds afterwards. The part where Amos Diggory runs down from the stands yelling, that's my boy, that's my son, and Harry being unwilling to let go, heartbreaking every time. And we agree, too. Um, that's Yeah, because, I mean... Rough. Again, it's not necessarily in the... Read. It's That part's not necessarily, like, word for word in the book, but, like, this is a case where I'm okay with the change that they made in the movie because it makes it a bit more heart-wrenching in the moment. Yep. Um, and, like, the whole thing with, like, the lip thing. Like, yeah, that's not in the book and it, like, seemed a little unnecessary. But I do give props to David Tennant and the guy who plays Mad-Eye um, for really, like, committing to it and doing a really good job with it. Agreed. The movies are entertaining. It's again the when it comes to most of the movies, I still really like them, but this one in particular. This one is particularly bad. It's just <laughs> not great. So, um, if you have fan faux pas, if you have thoughts about any of the future Harry Potter movies, even ones we've already talked about. Um, you can DM us on our social media, like Taylor mentioned earlier, at TWB. Wait, nope, I missed a letter. I totally skipped a letter. TBWB. Do you know our social Whoops. media? Yes, I know what it is. At TBWB Podcast. 
Um, you can DM us or answer prompts we share there before we record new episodes. Or you can shoot us an email at tbwbpodcast at gmail.com. Just put the title of the book or movie that you're talking about in your subject line. Um, and we'll be sure to share them either in an episode or on our social media. Mm-hmm. With that, I think that just leaves us to ask our final question. Taylor, <laughs> was the book better? thousand million gajillion percent yes yes <laughs> this is definitely the one i'm most passionate about this of one's all not the even harry close. potter series like <laughs> it's not even close the first three we've talked about and we've been like well you know the movie was still good like the book's just a little bit better this one i'm like no the book is a million times better <laughs> a gazillion times better yeah so if you have not read this book I highly encourage you to do so. You'll get so much more out of it than you would just watching the movie. Listen to it on tape if you don't love reading. But like, you'll just, the story is a million times better. It's and so you, good. you You understand the characters. You just learn a lot more about them. And you'll fall in love good. with the characters more. Oh, for sure. Well, with that. On that note. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, come back in two weeks and we'll be talking about the fifth Harry Potter, uh, Harry Potter and the, oh, geez, Order of the Phoenix. I had a little, I was say, whoa, <laughs> blank there. <laughs> whoa. Um, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. And if you want to watch the movie, reread the book, whatever, to prep for it, we encourage you to do so. So you can come back and fully be up to... Uh, date on what we are discussing we do a two-week interval because it's kind of a lot of homework (laughs) yeah watch a two-hour plus long movie and read some pretty big books so they're they're chunky you want (laughs) to do it with us there you go you got two weeks (laughs) (laughs) but until then um we will talk to you later Goodbye. goodbye